When you are a busy financial planner, running a practice and running a life, referrals are gold. In fact, they are more than gold. And the right referral is like gold mixed with diamonds, smothered in platinum, and rolled in Louis Vuitton bags. <laughs> and since you started in this business, I know you have heard that you are supposed to network with attorneys and CPAs and other centers of influence, and that they will become amazing referral sources for you. But if we're honest, it feels mostly like we're sending clients their way and not so much the other way around. Well, friends, this ends today. In this episode, we are putting a stop to these shenanigans, and we're going to learn from advisor Michelle Klesenich on how she has mastered gaining the right referrals from CPAs and attorneys alike. She's got a step-by-step outline filled with don'ts, do's, and examples of how to get that elusive professional referral. And look, I know you're here because you know it's possible to have energy left over for your family and have your dream business. You know, the business that you are running instead of it running you. And if you're new to The Efficient Advisor, I'm Libby Grywe, and I built a 100% referral-only planning practice and grew it to seven figures as a solo advisor, all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year to lean into being a mom, wife, friend, sister, daughter, and frankly, a travel-obsessed human. (laughs) And I'm here to show you how to do exactly the same and to help you take immediate action on the most important strategies for scaling, organizing, and creating less stress and overwhelm in your business. We are about to transform your practice, so move over exhaustion and move over advisor ADD. It is time to take that one right next step to build a business and a life that you love. So let's dive in. Okay, so since she was 13 years old, Michelle has wanted to be a financial advisor. I only wish I had that much clarity when I was 13. It would have saved me a ton of time and money in college, right? Um, So it was no surprise that she became a financial planner right out of college 16 years ago and got her CFP by the time she was 26. Michelle is an independent financial advisor and is duly registered. Her client's assets are custodied over at Raymond Jane's, and she co-runs her own RIA. More recently, she is super proud of the launch of her new business, Financially Wise Divorce, and her signature move forward system. Her system helps affluent women at any stage of divorce untangle their finances and get empowered as they navigate divorce. Michelle lives, eats, and breathes being coached and having coaches in all aspects of her life, especially when it comes to running her practice. So if you have a book, podcast, or coach you just can't live without, she'd love to hear about it. And you can connect with her in the Efficient Advisor community or on Facebook or LinkedIn. And I can personally vouch for Michelle loving coaching in every area of her life. We have been texting each other this type of stuff for, I don't know what, Michelle, the last decade? Yep, probably. Has it been that long? Are we that old? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) (laughs) And if Michelle's name sounds familiar, it's not only because she's a rock star in the divorce planning world, but she's also been on the podcast before, especially back when it was a video show. 
So you can check out episode number three of the efficient advisor podcast to learn more about how Michelle mastered the art of niching down and how narrowing her focus has helped her business explode. And Michelle, because she's so awesome, was generous enough to provide us with a download to go with this episode. It's got an outline of her center of influence process. And, you know, in this industry, we love acronyms, so we'll call it COI for the rest of the podcast, Um, but it's also got a sample email and a template of how she inputs these COIs into her marketing system. And you know how much I love and adore me some templates. So that link will be available to you guys in the show notes. So we know getting referrals in this business is the way to go. And if you know me, building a referral only practice was critical to my ability to work just three days a week. I didn't have to spend time, money, or mental energy on lots and lots of marketing tactics, but the trick is getting the right referrals and getting the right referrals is truly an art form. And to be totally transparent, I say that I didn't spend a ton of money or energy on marketing, and that's true, but I want to be clear that I did have a branding and marketing strategy, and I was really, really intentional, so I don't want that to get twisted at all. And I think every advisor out there wants to know, Michelle, how to actually get referrals from attorneys, CPAs, and other professional centers of influence, right? We've heard about this elusive attorney referral, but how do we actually get it? (laughs) And Michelle is the master at this. She has built her divorce financial planning and retirement planning business into a dream business. And that is a big piece of that was developing a professional network. So Michelle, okay, I want you to spill the beans. I know advisors listening want really a step-by-step on how to do this effectively. So go, tell us all the things. All right, here it is. So I thought it'd be helpful to just break it down and first maybe set expectations in our brain and having the right mindset when it comes to networking with our center of influences. Okay, so real quick, Tell the listeners what is, for people that don't know, what is a center of influence or what is a COI? So I think when we think of center of influence in our industry, we think of the obvious CPA, estate planning attorney, mortgage broker, sort of the the basic three, Um, but attorney in general or accountant in general. But when I think about COI, I also think about people in our lives that are really well connected, that love us, but may never be a client of ours. So for example, my pastor will probably never be a client and that's okay, but he knows what I do and he knows a lot of great people and people trust him. And so that's an example of sort of an extra outside the normal ring COI that we'll be referring to. Perfect. And we love estate planning attorneys, right? We love divorce attorneys. We love all the people that know how to feed into our niche. So tell me a little bit about steps to actually get referrals from these COIs. So how do we, how do we go into that with expectations and the right mindset? Yeah. So I came up with a list of do's and don'ts. Um, So my first thought was don't refer to a COI with the only intention of getting referrals back. In fact, you might even say that when you meet with your first COI for the first time of like, my expectation is not to just receive referrals. It's to have my clients treated like gold and get the best advice that they can. And if referrals come out of it, great. If they don't, it's okay. Um, Because I think first and foremost, we have to make sure our clients are treated the best. But I would say 
Um, do like, do refer to COIs if you feel like they're the right person to help your client. Um, cause the benefit is if, if your clients are happy, it's only going to reflect amazing Mac on to you. Okay. So don't refer with the intention of getting referrals back. So go into it expecting nothing, yes. um, but do refer to that COI if they're the right person. Um, because if they're not the right person, that'll negatively reflect on you and your practice. So making sure that you're aligning yourself with the right people who do really, really high quality work. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What I, else? I could have started with this one. Don't expect one referral receive for every referral given. Um, <laughs> right. I think that's, I mean, even in my ideal world, if I were to look at my tracker system, I probably send 15 referrals for every one that I receive. And that feels really good. It was a lot better than a hundred to one, you know, five, <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, but don't expect one for one. It's not going to happen. Okay. Perfect. So realistic expectations going in, not a one for one. Right. All right. What else? You know, I think um, it's easy. There's parts of my career. I remember just networking with anybody and everybody and spreading myself too thin. Um, and when it comes to building a really strong referral network, I think staying niche, staying, t- staying tight, you know, 20 COIs is what comes to mind. Max 10, maybe total. Um, so between 10 and 20 seems like a good range um, to have it small enough to refer clients often enough to them. Um, and so that you can get to know them as well. Okay. And so did you start with a huge number and then slowly whittle your way down over time? And if so, how did you do that? How did you decide who were kind of that lucky 10 to 20 that got to be in your inner circle? I think the 10 to 20 changes from month to month for me, Libby. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly, I have that top 20 COI list in an Excel spreadsheet and I change it. Um, if I get really bad feedback from a client that they didn't respond back and it was horrible service, I go, I might give them a few chances, but they, they might get deleted eventually from that list. So, um, yeah, I think my list started pretty big and broad. Um, and then over time I realized the people that were excited to meet with me and I felt excited to meet with them to keep our relationship going. It just sort of was a intuitive thing for me of who did I really actually want to go for coffee with and who felt the same about me. <laughs> so, okay, perfect. So when, um, okay. So you're working with a client, they give you negative feedback about a COI. Do you, do you tell the person, the center of influence, do you tell them about this feedback or do you just kind of, you know, chalk it up to, okay, everybody drops the ball sometimes is it three strikes and you're out. What's kind of your, your strategy when you do hear that kind of crummy feedback? Yeah. I think I'd take it with a grain of salt. You know, there's certain clients that will never be happy no matter what we do. And they tend to give negative feedback about anyone. So take that with a grain of salt. But if I hear the same feedback a few times and they're different clients that tell me that I start to feel like that could be true. Um, and it depends on my relationship. Do I tell the COI? Probably I, I should. Um, have I not traditionally, um, I don't know. It's tricky as maintaining a relationship. Not everyone's open to growing and feedback. So I'm not really sure how to handle that. Um, there were, there is a CPA I know does awesome work and he was really bad at responding to a few clients. So I emailed him saying, Hey, my client hasn't heard from you. It's been a month. Are you still taking on new clients? 
Um, do you not want these referrals? So in a way I did give that guy feedback and I've seen his response time dramatically increase. So. Perfect. So a good passive aggressive approach on occasion (laughs) (laughs) is the right solution. (laughs) Okay. So you have some more do's and don'ts. So let's keep rolling with those. You know, just go through this, like, don't do, don't do business with a COI. Um, like personally, so here's an example um, like don't do, don't do your mortgage with a mortgage broker, um, with like the sole intention of getting referrals back. Cause I think mixing personal with business stuff just gets kind of weird and can be awkward if you ever change relationships. So just do business with yourself personally, with whoever is amazing in the right fit and, um, and not do it just for business. Okay. Love that. That makes sense. So it needs to be genuine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What about them doing business with you? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that can work. And in fact, that can be really powerful. It just heightens your need to make sure you're giving like a thousand percent and treating them like your AAAA plus, plus, plus client, even if maybe they aren't. Okay. Uh, so I do work with some COIs and it has been pretty powerful. Like they're clients of mine, but I, I, I think it's sort of like family and friends. I have chosen not to work with family and friends unless they are adamant. They're comfortable with it. I would say the same with COIs. Um, I wouldn't encourage it, but I think it, it can work. Okay. So maybe if they're the right fit, if you do business with them, kind of regardless of your professional relationship, if they fit into your kind of ideal client or people that you would enjoy doing yeah. work with. Okay. All right. Well, so speaking of ideal clients, <clears throat> um, let's talk a little bit about, so I love some do's and don'ts. I think those are always really helpful, but when you are building that relationship with a COI, do you just come out and say, I'm Michelle and here's what I do. And here's why I'm so amazing. And here's who I work at. How bold are you mm-hmm. in communicating who you are, what you do? Um, maybe tell us about some mistakes that you've made in that area in the past and how you've really refined that into a very clear and concise kind of pitch, if you will. Absolutely. So I have become more bold year after year and day after day. Um, there are so many networking meetings that were completely pointless that I can reflect on. And when I look back as to why they were pointless, I realized it was because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my ideal clients were and I was too fluffy and too generic. And I think what I mean by that is when at the end of the the conversation, naturally I try and focus all on them to make it all about them and what their career is, why they love it, who their ideal clients are. So inevitably at the end of the meeting, they would pivot and say, you know, so, so what are your, who are your, your ideal clients? And I swear, I would say something like, I love helping anybody with their money. If they have, you know, goals they're trying to reach or want a second opinion. I'm just so passionate about helping people and families with their money. And at the time I thought, wow, that was a really good elevator pitch. I'm so good. <laughs> Nailed, it. <laughs> Nailed it. And then like looking back, I could just like, see, like, I remember now like the deer and headlights look of in their brain going, oh my gosh, I've 
of course she said that, like, that's what every financial advisor says. <laughs> and so like, I was actually just thinking the other day about like a dentist analogy. Like, what if, what if you were talking to your dentist and wanted to send your dentist referrals and said, Hey, you know, doc, what's, who's your ideal client to work with? And, and he or she said, you know, I love anybody that has teeth. Like how ridiculous would that be if your dentist said that to you? You know, it's funny. The only thing that pops into my mind when you say that is not who I know that has teeth, but like, who have I met that maybe like is missing some, <laughs> so maybe the opposite effect of what you're looking for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, had my dentist been like, well, I specialize in pediatrics. So if you have a two-year-old who, you know, is super scared and, you know, wants to like develop a great relationship with their dentist, I'm your person. Like, so I really tried to reflect on that and realize don't be generic, Michelle, be you, be bold and just tell people who you are and what you do. Right. So maybe giving some specific details, um, things that make you memorable things that will pop out in their mind later. So versus like, Oh, I I know a lot of people that have teeth, but yes, I, you know, I've got some friends who have young children that are terrified of going to the dentist or, um, you know, as a mom, I've had other moms reach out and ask who we're using for our, for our dentist. And if you've got someone who literally like, that's like their main jam is providing a environment for small children that makes them feel comfortable, puts the parent at ease. It's going to be really easy to refer that dentist to those moms with those specific kids, because it is so, so specific. Um, So when we were talking before you mentioned about a little story that you had about, you know, working with your business and creating that ideal client avatar over time And for people who don't know what an ideal client avatar is or an ideal client in general profile, whatever you want to call it, you can check out episode 10 of the efficient advisor, where we get into how you can really start to niche down and define through psychographics, demographics, geographics, all the things that are the perfect client that you want to work with. And then you can use that to articulate it. So you had mentioned that you had created a, um, as your business developed into a divorce financial planning niche, that you created a piece specifically for divorce attorneys. So would you speak to that for a minute? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I I've been thinking about it for a few years and just finally ripped the bandaid and created it six months ago. So what I realized is that, so one day I was talking to a divorce attorney and he said to me, I said, I asked him, I said, what is it that spurs you to refer to me? I said, what is it that like you say to your clients? Cause I told him, I said, I've loved every single client you've sent to me. So whatever you're saying, keep saying it. And I want to hear your words. And he goes, Michelle, if I, if I work with a woman with a lot of money and I'll define that in a second, um, and she needs handholding and coddling, and she feels super scared about money. You're my gal. And I'm like, Oh, cool. And he goes, and then this other guy down the street, um, he, I refer to him. He, he specializes in the massive fluent who are doing multi-generational wealth planning, Um, so when I think about people with a lot of money, I think about that advisor and I, I was really complimented by his comments, but I also was wondering, you know, my specialty, um, really comes to life with the more complex assets and higher assets. So I thought, oh my goodness, I wasn't even being clear with this guy about exactly who my ideal client was. Um, so that spurred me to create a piece and it tells divorce attorneys what I do. And it says, you know, are you looking for a trusted financial guide as your clients navigate divorce? Um, 
And in one of the sections, I said, ideal client, and I spell out <clears throat> women who are looking to get empowered, who have a heart to give back something like those words, mm-hmm. who want to trust a guide and know they don't want to do this alone. Women who will have a million in liquid assets post-divorce or 2 million in liquid assets while married. And then on a sidebar, um, when I send it to attorneys, I'll say, and they're amazing people. And they're just type of women you want to hang around all the time. So when I created this piece, I got feedback from a a few divorce attorneys on the piece and I like made them, it was a way for me to get genuine feedback, but then they felt like they were like in my inner groupie, like circle and not kid you not a week later after this attorney gave me feedback and she's like, Oh, I didn't realize, you know, it's a million plus of money post-divorce. She goes, I have the ideal client for you. She's amazing. She needs handholding. She's married to a financial advisor getting divorced. She needs empowerment. She's a lovely woman. You'll love her. And I've gotten now three referrals because of this piece that I can directly relate to the back to this piece. Um, and I was nervous about putting the minimums on there, but because I did that, I'm receiving the referrals I'm asking for. Okay. So what I extrapolate from what you just said is that you partnered with these COIs in the creation of this piece to not only kind of use it as a way to talk to them about what you're really, really looking for, but also to extrapolate language from them, things that speak to them by having them have a direct participation in the creation of this, you know, brochure, flyer, whatever you want to call it. Um, And it also gave you a great opportunity to talk to them about, well, Hey, here's what I'm trying to do. And I need your help. And they get to kind of feel like they're part of it and an opportunity for them to get to know you a little bit better. But then you end up with this beautiful piece that you can use with lots of attorneys who speak the same language, use the same idioms, run into the same things with clients. And I love that you added, they have to be a good person. They have to be a wonderful person that I'd enjoy working with because the last thing you want is a very bitter, cranky, mean non-ideal client, maybe they have the right assets, but they're not going to be a joy to work with. Um, I did get get some great feedback real quick on, um, on the piece. I said, I am an advocate for your client. And the attorney said, no, you can't say that word in our world. Advocate means you're legally representing them. You can't say that word, Michelle. I was like, oh, okay. In my world, I can say it. But when I'm talking to an attorney, I don't use that word. Um, so I deleted the word advocate from the whole entire piece and used a different word. Um, can't remember what I used. So it was great. Cause that was like a no, no word that I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, and you wouldn't have known you would have put it through compliance. You would have gone through all the, the hoops and then sent it to somebody and they're like, ee, after the fact. So I love that. Um, so in talking to COI, so obviously you've developed this great relationship with these people that you can come to and say, Hey, I'm working on this thing. Can you help me? I love your feedback. But when you were kind of initially meeting centers of influence, what, what does that look like for you? So you're at a networking event or you show up to a industry event. Um, what do you talk about? Or let's say you invite someone out to coffee. What is it that you talk about? How do you really for advisors listening, how do you develop the relationship with CPAs, attorneys, other COIs that you don't already have a really great relationship? So if this is a kind of a new marketing or new prospecting um, right. idea for some advisors. 
I know this might seem kind of backwards, but I have been trying to focus more and more on getting to know the COI personally and not professionally. Mm. So by trying to, um, start off the meeting of what they're excited about, where are they, tra- where are they traveling to next? What their kids are like, what's going on in their life. Um, and then maybe some deeper questions, like, why did you choose to become an attorney? Like what, you know, what happened in your life that led you down that path? Um, and then I also have been adding questions like, um, what is it that you credit your success to in your career? Um, I've, most of us connect with our COIs on LinkedIn or, or Facebook um, before we meet with them and, or stock them online. However we do that <laughs> so it's fun to go in those meetings with like, Hey, I saw you graduated from Luther college. That's where I went. Um, and, and having those connections. Um, Cause I feel like if you just go in with the analytics and here's what I do and why my financial planning skills are better, it just doesn't really, doesn't really go. Yeah. It doesn't resonate as well. So, okay. So I like that. So getting, so it sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are immediately from the get-go really just focusing on them Mm -hmm. and not even business, but just really getting to know who they are as a person. Cause as much as they're kind of like, quote unquote, interviewing you, you're also determining whether or not they're going to fit into that, you know, 10 to 20 ideal COIs. Cause if you're going to, and I know you're going to share with us how you spoil them and treat them like gold. So if you're going to spoil and treat these people like gold, you want to know who they are and what they stand for and what they value and kind of maybe what their client experience is like before you'd ever, you know, subject your precious clients to them in a, you know, kind of mutually beneficial relationship. Um, so, so I like that. So this first meeting, you're kind of identifying who they are, you're focusing on them. Okay. Then what? I'd love to end the meeting with, you know, it's been so incredible to get to know you and refer to things that we have synergy about. How is it that I can best help you? Or like, what is it that I can do to serve you? Some sort of question that's like, okay, so how can I help you? And just asking it like point blank. And I feel I was asked that like 10 years ago and I will never forget that networking meeting. I'm like, wow, they really care about me. You know, what is it that like, like they're stuck in their business or that could help them. And it's amazing the kind of responses you might get. Um, And sometimes you don't get a response, but then they think about it and it's like going in their head, like, wow, she really wants to help. Um, And inevitably they'll ask you back. They have to, it would be awkward if they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love that. So then, um, then what, so we've had this first meeting, we determined that we have this really great synergy that we have very complimentary business styles. What then happens next to these COIs? How do you bring them into the fold? Yeah. I always ask the best way to connect my clients to them or vice versa. And they may say, oh, I have this great PDF. I can email you that talks about my practice or, oh, you know, if you could email my assistant, their information. Um, And what I automatically do is um, just ask them the best way they like to communicate. Some people love texting. Some people love calling. Some people hate email, whatever it is. And so taking a note in my CRM system of how it is they best communicate. Um, And then before leaving that networking meeting, if I genuinely feel synergy and I feel like it's reciprocated, Mm -hmm. I'll say like, let's get our next coffee on the schedule or whatever it is that's coming up. 
um, I might have an event to invite them to pre-COVID um, or whatever it might be. So I sometimes will text them my Calendly networking scheduling link, like, hey, would you mind grabbing a time if we had to rush and run really quick and we didn't have time to schedule it? Um, but then back at our office, we have a COI networking scheduling system. And because I want to make sure that people were connected to, I'm touching them frequently enough. And so just in case they fall off the calendar or never got on the calendar, my assistant will tell me, here's the clients, the COIs you've met with in the last three months. Here's who you haven't, anybody that I should reach out to. So I'm hoping to meet with COIs at least twice a year, even if it's a Zoom virtual thing, to stay in front of them, ask how their life is and how I can help them. Okay. I love that. And so you have in the PDF that you've been so kind to, to share with people listening, you have sort of a template for the information you're capturing about these COIs. Uh, Tell us just a little bit about that. And then what happens kind of what's the next step after you meet someone, you capture all these details, how they like to be communicated with Um, you hand this off to someone on your team and then what? So I capture stuff like we would for our clients, you know, how I met, how I met the COI because years later, I want to make sure I remember who connected me to them, um, their personal information, of course, and then personal details like their spouse's name, their pet's name, all this detailed information I don't want to forget so I can refer to it next time. And then um, when I send my um, notes in our CRM tool, it sends to my team action items so that they know. So in my CRM notes tool, I'll remind Emily, my office professional to help me with five tasks. And then it reminds me to do three tasks. Um, So I always want to make sure to connect with the COI on social media. Um, It's amazing when you get different awards or um, you're volunteering or whatever it is that you're posting on social media. And by being connected to them, they're going to see all these incredible things that you're doing. So I never want to forget to connect with them on social media. Um, I like to text the COI if they're fine with that, my contact card. So I created, I like added my photo. I added myself to my cell phone as a contact with my business information. I love that. Okay. Put my business, my business photo in there with my website, my scheduling link for referrals, all of that in there. So I'll just say, Hey, do you mind if I just text you my contact card? So when you know, it's me or when I'm calling, you know, it's me. And it's an easy way to send it to your clients. Um, And then I always do a handwritten follow-up thank you note. We have these really cute little boxes that are branded with my colors and font and everything that have a few chocolates and thanking them for their time and something. I refer to something that we did in our meeting together. It's something that we talked about. And. Okay. I love that. Um, So what I hear you saying and correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear you say you give, 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 give or 10 without <laughs> expecting anything back. Yeah. Um, at this point, have you, so even if you've asked them that question, right. The, um, oh, the, how can I help you? Or, you know, what can I do for you? How can I best help you? I think is the way you said it. Yeah. Have you asked them at this point for anything in return? No. Okay. No, I love that. And I just want to make sure that that's a very clear <laughs> that yeah. you're giving. So just like prospects, we're giving value, we're giving value, we're giving value. And we haven't flipped that yet to being about us. It's continued to be about them. Yeah. Okay. 
I love that. And I love that you're spoiling them. You're sending them what I call lumpy mail, which is the kind of mail that gets opened and is very exciting (laughs) with chocolate. So tell me a little bit more about, um, what is the right center of influence for you? How do you determine that? And then, you know, I know you do beyond even just the chocolates, you do a really great job then treating these people like gold. So tell me a little bit about that right COI. And then, um, because referrals take so much time to foster, (laughs) tell me about how you treat them, how you continue to stay in front of them. You're meeting with them twice a year, but what else are you doing? Yeah. So maybe just to answer your first question of the right COI, I think it boils down to, um, like a, where am I lacking referral sources for a while? I was lacking really good CPAs. So it sort of boiled down to like, what sector of the market am I missing really amazing people to connect my clients to? And, and so maybe that was like the first, first, um, thing I identified. Um, but if I think they're amazing and I've heard they've done great work and I've actually heard feedback from other people or clients, and I think they're fun and I could see getting to know them. That's all it takes for me for them to be in my top 20. Love that. Okay. So, and then we're going to assume that they work with your ideal client or how do you, how do you pull that out of them to see if that's a good fit? Yeah, that's a great. So when I've, when in the conversation, it's like, who are your ideal clients? It's pretty clear at that point, if it's going to be a referral relationship potential or, or not. And so there's maybe like half the time is it's not there's, um, divorce attorneys that I network with and most of their clients are drowning in debt. And they're like, that's most of the people that I see. The good news for me is I have a great referral to people who are, have debt, um, that need divided in divorce, but more than likely, I'm not going to be fostering that relationship from a business perspective. Um, because they've been transparent with me about who their ideal clients are. Okay. I love that. I love that. So the ones that do have that synergy, they're working with the kind of client that you want to work from. I like how you lead with, um, I need amazing people to connect my clients to. Um, so you're making sure that they're working with the kind of people that you work with and vice versa. You do the handwritten note after your first meeting, you have your staff include them in the marketing, you're connected with them on Facebook. Uh, What else are you doing? I know you've told me in the past, you treat them kind of like you treat your top, top clients. So what other kind of love are you laying on these people? Yeah. So I include whatever I do for my top 20 clients, I do for my top 20 COIs. And we track um, the emails that we send. anything that we mail to them or email them is being tracked by my marketing director. So what we love to do is, um, stock them on, on online and figure out when their birthday is. <laughs> and if we can't figure it out, then my office professional will talk to their office professional and try and figure that out. It's usually pretty easy to figure out on Facebook. Um, so we include them in our, um, email birthday camp or excuse me, mail birthday camp campaign. Um, another fun chocolate box um, handwritten note to them. And then I love to do non-business email campaigns to the COIs that may have a theme of, for example, I did a mother's day theme last year for working moms. And this year I want to do non-working moms as well, but I happen to be connected to a lot of working moms, um, a working moms, um, just a mother's day email. And I gave a sample of that exact email we sent to our top 
um, clients as well as top COIs, just to let them know how much admiration I have for them as a person and the demands of motherhood and career tug us in so many directions. Um, you make it look like a breeze. I'm inspired by you. Enjoy this day sort of theme. Love that. And that language is all in that PDF that you've given us. Beautiful. I love that. Okay. So I know that you focus on helping them, serving them. Um, your staff is very proactive. Tell me a little bit more about how you, you continue to educate your team on how to communicate with your COIs, how yeah. to continue to just really foster and improve that relationship. Um, yep. you know, you mentioned stuff about communicating with their CPAs, their, um, state yep. attorneys, tell me all the details. Yeah. So my, um, my marketing director, director of ops and admin all know who our top 20 COIs are, and they know them almost by name. We give them nicknames even internally in our office. And so their job too, is to treat them like our top clients. So for example, make their life as easy as possible, take off their plate as much as possible. Um, so the other day, one of our COIs said she wanted to adopt a child and she opened up to me about that. And she said, but I have no idea where to start and what to do. And, and after that meeting, I asked my office professional, I said, Emily, can you do research on Facebook groups for parents looking to adopt and different website resources? And she emailed those links to the COI and she was just like over the moon, happy and just like flabbergasted that we spent that time helping her. And, um, so that's an example of like a non-business spoil them getting your team involved kind of example. I love that. Cause if you're willing to go through that much effort for them, they can only imagine what you must do for the clients that you serve, that they would then be sending to you. Right. Cause I think we all refer wanting to give that person, whoever we're referring a good experience. So even if we're just telling a friend about a really great restaurant, it's not because the owner of the restaurant has asked us to tell people it's because we're like, Oh, we have this really great. I want you to have this really great experience experience as well. Okay. So who else you had mentioned also that you've got wholesalers kind of in your center of uh, list. And I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah. I think wholesalers can be annoying in a way sometimes of they call in the email often <laughs> really are awesome people who really are trying to help us just like we're trying to help our clients. And so I've been picking up those calls and emails more lately and joining their events that they're hosting and getting to know them. And then in turn, again, they want to know me and my practice and how their products, if you will, can help me and my clients. And so I've been really bold to include them or just tell them my ideal client divorcing women. And when I launched my new website, financiallywisedivorce.com, I, I included them in the email blast of here's the new website, how we can help people and just include them on the inner circle as if because they are, I talk to them a lot. So, um, so that would be an example of somebody I never thought I would consider a COI, but very much people who have become that. And the even better thing is they, they can help you pay for events and marketing with marketing dollars. Um, so that was like a ancillary benefit that sort of fell in my lap last year. But yeah, I that, that's something I would have never thought of as far as from like a center of influence referral standpoint, but yeah, cha-ching, if someone can help you yeah. pay for an event. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you obviously have had centers of influence. You've been in the business a long time. 
Talk to me about how you communicate with centers of influence before you had ideal clients, or maybe as your practice has developed and pivoted over the years, how do you communicate those changes? Maybe um, AUM minimums, maybe direction and niche. Tell me about how you communicate that with your COIs. Yeah. Good question. So I, you know how you get referrals sometimes from people and you get them and you're like, wow, this is so exciting. And then you talk to that referral and the referrals like, oh my gosh, my CPA said, you're the person for me. And then as I describe their story, your heart sinking going, oh my gosh, like I can't help you or the services I offer don't help you at all. And they're like the opposite of your ideal client. That is like the worst experience ever of like getting connected to them and then like falling in love with them and then realizing you can't help them. So what I've realized is I've had to retrain those COIs and like rewind because the referrals I was getting that were less than ideal were coming from COIs I networked with 10 years ago. And the generic me said, I help anyone and everyone going through divorce. So if you know anyone breathing that is experiencing this horrible divorce process, I am your lady. That was my spiel at that time. Well, no wonder I'm getting those referrals of every spectrum of financial situations (laughs) because that's what I was asking for. Um, And so I've re-met with that. That was a therapist, actually. I re-met with to, to hear all about her life and then to tell her exciting updates that I have and who I can best serve. I haven't gotten any referrals from her since I've majorly changed my ideal client, but regardless, um, she knows moving forward. Yeah. But you also haven't gotten those heartbreaking referrals that you have to say no to, because that could potentially, you know, really damage the relationship with that COI if they're not aware, you know, and they're wondering why you're turning people away. Okay. You bring up a good point. I want to mention is, um, turning away referrals, um, that you get from a COI can be a little tricky. And so one of the things I've made sure to do is if I'm not, if I know I'm not, not the right fit, I want to, I always try my hardest to make sure I find someone who is a good fit. So they're not just left hanging. So I can follow up with the attorney, the CPA, whoever, and say, I'm so grateful for the referral. I was able to connect. Unfortunately, my services don't align with what they need. Here's the good news is that I found them X, Y, Z resources. They're going to help them moving forward. Thanks so much again for thinking of me. Um, Cause I would hate to not be grateful and for them to just wonder why didn't I follow through. And I think that's a really great strategy because not only are you helping that client um, and putting them in the right direction and not, you know, doing that pro bono or, you know, where you feel obligated to spend your time. And then the whole time you're like, Oh, I hate this. I hate what I'm doing. I don't enjoy this. This is the thing that makes me, you know, want to rip my hair out. Um, so I love that you're giving them the solution, but then you're also reinforcing with the referral source, Hey, I didn't work with them because of X, Y, and Z. Um, so are you kind of specific saying, you know, they didn't have the assets that, you know, require my services. Are you very detailed in the why, or do you just kind of leave it maybe a little bit more generic as to it just didn't, it wasn't a good fit. I am more detailed in the income or assets, whatever wasn't fitting. Um, and, and it's hard for me. It's I'm working on it. I'm fine tuning it. It's awkward, but I, but I, it's working. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love that. So 
I have advisors all the time tell me that they're very uncomfortable setting asset minimums or having a specific niche. Um, you know, how do you help people or what happens when you, you know, when you do have these people, I know you have kind of a special thing and I want to make sure people hear about it. Cause I thought it was really cool. So when you have minimums and you're getting really good at sticking to them, how do you then help the people who don't meet those requirements? Yeah. So one thing that I'm launching is pro bono office hours so that I can once a month dedicate so many hours to clients that I'm not going to formally bring on, but I'm going to give up my time in half hour increments to anybody and everybody that wants advice from a CFP. So that's been a really comfortable way for me to say, um, this service doesn't align with what you're looking for. Um, but I have pro bono office hours on this date and this time, you're welcome to take advantage of those. Um, so that's been an easier, softer way for me to say, but I still can help you or, or another professional who might have lower minimums, or, um, I just don't want to leave them hanging. That's the last thing that I want to do. I love that. And you had mentioned that the CFP board tracks this pro bono experience. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So the CFP board, you can report your formal pro bono hours. And I don't know exactly what they do with it, but when you're searching for a CFP um, on their website, it'll say if that professional offers pro bono hours or not. And then there's some sort of tracking mechanism that they do and formally track it throughout your career. So I'm excited because I think we've all been doing pro bono our whole careers. We just haven't formally <laughs> tracked it. So yeah. And maybe get excited and like look back and say, wow, there was 40 hours last year that I donated. That's pretty cool. That feels good. So that, yeah, that, no, that, that does feel good. Um, so I know we need to wrap up here. Um, but before we do, I kind of hear a couple of themes and I just want to make sure that I am, you know, pulling these out for people listening. It sounds like it's not rocket science, but we give without expectation. We provide value. You get to know these people. You share with them your ideal client avatar and you stick to it. And then there's more giving. Then there's some more giving. And then there's giving and giving, adding value. And it doesn't sound to me like you're actually at any point asking for them for anything in return. It just kind of happens naturally. Is that a fair assessment? hundred percent. Okay. I love that. Um, but I think the key is, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's not rocket science, but what I think is the science behind it is that you're very intentional and that you've built systems in your practice to actually execute, um, because what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed. Right. And so just like regular client referrals and prospects falling through the cracks, we need to have systems and processes in place to, um, adequately nurture them, follow up with them, you know, continue to be in front of them. Same thing with your COI. So I think that's a really, um, a brilliant thing that you've built within your practice and within your team structure to be able to be really consistent in executing that. Um, so you said you look at this on a quarterly basis. Yeah, I would say loosely, I don't have anything formal, mm -hmm. but I have my 
I call it my master tracker of my life uh, <laughs> every day. And so I glance at the top COIs almost every day, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So you're out there, you know, on Facebook commenting on their daughter's ballet recital, doing all of the things from the personal side, in addition to the professional. Absolutely. And when their dog dies, you know, sending them a bark box, uh, thoughtful, like, you know, thinking of you or um, actually that was a bad example. When they get a new puppy, sending them a bark box, when their dog dies, sending them a note, um, all of those things, like, just like a good friend would do. I love that. Um, so I always ask my guests, you know, because we are the efficient advisor, what are two kind of things. So this could be practices, software tools, um, mindset strategies, templates, whatever, but what are two things that you have found and that you have used to help make your work and running your business more effective and efficient? The first would be one note, part of the Microsoft suite. It is a tool that I did not use until the last year. And it's been amazingly efficient for me. So we keep all of our client notes, the meaty ones, all the technical ones in our CRM system, but the non-meaty notes, for example, next meeting agenda, what their kids' names are, their family, friends, charities they love. I don't know about you, but I hate searching through the CRM for those notes that you're looking for that were 10 years ago and you can't find them. For example, the charity they love or their kids' names. So we've extracted those into OneNote. So in OneNote, we have client folders for every client. And then there's a couple folders inside uh, family and then a next meeting agenda. And what I love about OneNote is it constantly updates. It's synced to the cloud. You can have your app OneNote on your phone and adding notes to it. So anytime um, a grandkid is born, one of my teammates or myself will add into the next meeting agenda. How is grandson doing? Name his name when he was born. Um, And there's business stuff in there too, like check-in on distribution rate or whatever it is. But the non-personal side is mostly in there. Um, I just hate opening Word documents and saving them. And then if, if I'm not connected to my share drive, it like backfires. OneNote is always trustworthy and always updates. So I love that. I love that one. Okay. So what else? What's your second one? I think the second one is mindset. And this mindset came from you, Libby Griley. And the mindset is why not me and why not now? I think we give this self-talk all the time of, I don't deserve to work with my ideal client avatar. I don't deserve to fill in the blank, whatever it might be. And constantly every day I have to like check myself and say, Michelle, you deserve this. You've worked hard. You treat your clients like gold. And why not you? Why can't you increase your minimums and be okay with that? So just because I increased my minimums and and state it boldly doesn't mean it isn't easy for me to Mm -hmm. back down on that. (laughs) But then I go back to the words that you have taught me. Why not me? And why not now? I love that. And I, and where that came from was really early in my career. I just remember being at an event and I was seated next to the number one producer in our company. And I was looking at him working on his computer and it dawned on me. I was like, holy smokes, he has the exact same CRM system, the exact same software, the exact same planning software, the same tech software, the same email system. Like there's really nothing that he has access to that I don't. 
So why? And I think it's, especially as women, I think we tend to say like, oh, well, once my kids are older or okay, once they're more self-sufficient, once they can come home and make themselves a sandwich. Um, and we're always kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit yeah. and we don't really need to do that. Right. It can be right now. Why, why, why not me of all these people in this room? I'm certainly capable enough. I have the same stuff and why not? Why wait? Why what's, what is the benefit to us in waiting to at least give it a stinking try. So, okay. I love that. That makes me smile. I probably need to reprint that and put that in this office now that I, that I have this. Okay. So I know this has been so helpful. So many advisors that I coach or that are part of the community struggle with strategies to actually drive referrals from their professional network. So I know these tips and strategies are going to make a difference in so many people's businesses. So we are so grateful to have you here. Um, and before we go, tell us, where do you hang out on social media? Where can people connect with you? So um, on LinkedIn, it's Michelle Klisenich, a Birch Cove group. And on Facebook, I go by Michelle Munson Klisenich, uh, Birch Cove group. So you can also like me um, or find me on Facebook personally as well. And the Perfect. link. My social media I'll link page. it all in the show notes. That way no one has to figure out how to spell your name or which one's where. So I'll put that all. And I know it's also on that PDF that you gave us. So don't forget to download that. And thank you. Thank you. Um, I love you to pieces. And I'm sure, I'm sure we will do this again. Thank you so much. Okay. Isn't she great? I think the four biggest takeaways here were centered pretty much around four main points. Number one, setting realistic expectations for your center of influence referrals. The second is giving and serving without any expectation of anything flowing back your way. The third is knowing your ideal client avatar and being able to clearly articulate it to your professional network. And number four is staying organized in your COI follow-up system. So every single advisor should have a referral system and an intentional strategy. And if your strategy is sit around and wait for referrals, I promise you there is a much better way to stimulate referrals without feeling salesy or like you're bugging people or like you're asking them to do you a favor. We're going to keep diving into these things on future episodes. So make sure you click on those three little dots and hit follow so that you can automatically get every episode of the Efficient Advisor podcast downloaded. And you know how much I love things that happened without any effort and happen automatically. How efficient. (laughs) And over in the Efficient Advisor community, that's the private Facebook group for advisors only to share, learn, collaborate, and grow with and from each other. We're going to be doing something fun. So for advisors who are active in the group by commenting, posting, answering each other's questions, engaging, and basically being an awesome sharing human, we'll be giving away some free live rapid fire or hot seat coaching sessions with me. So make sure you pop in there to check it out and to learn more. You can also ask a question at any time that I'll try to answer when I do my once a month Q&A sessions. And we'll be getting ready to record January's Q&A here soon. So let me know what you're wondering about or how I can help guide you. And as always, all the details from this episode will be linked in the show notes, including Michelle's step-by-step PDF that's got her sample SOP for professional referrals and her Mother's Day email example that she mentioned, 
and the one that she sends to her mama COI friends and some other good stuff. I'll see you over in the Efficient Advisor community and I'll be here next week with another episode. Until then.